Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know before this episode begins that we'll be giving away a massive 10 kilo bag of mineral magic for lawns to one lucky Aussie listener and another 10 kilo bag of mineral magic for garden beds to another lucky Aussie listener. Check out the link in the show notes or head to our Facebook or Twitter page to join our mailing list and enter before 12pm Sunday the 18th of July, Aussie Eastern Standard Time. You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. In episode 46 of this podcast, Lawn Wisdom, Nick Bell said that he was really impressed with a new Aussie soil product on the market called Mineral Magic. Well, in this episode, we're lucky enough to have another Nick on the show, Nick Clayton, who's the co-founder and director of Mineral Magic, and he's going to tell us all about it. G'day, Nick. Welcome to the show, mate. Uh, fantastic, Daniel. It's uh, a bit surreal, actually. I've listened to a, a number of podcasts, so I just didn't actually think I'd be appearing in one. <laughs> oh, that's great, mate. Yeah, they're such a great medium for gardening and stuff like that. You know, us gardeners, we love to work in the gardens with headphones on and stuff like that. Like, podcasts are awesome. Indeed, and uh, quite an array of topics uh, you've covered over the journey as well. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, did you like the other soil amendments that we've done? Indeed, and certainly a lot of the turf-related ones, which is uh, yeah more my area of, of speciality. Yeah, you had a had a few of my colleagues on friends on the line over the uh, over the t- <laughs> over the time for sure. Yeah, oh, good stuff, mate. Yeah, well, you're you're in good company here for sure. So yeah, so let's just kick this episode off by. Telling us what is mineral magic? Okay, mineral magic is in its true form is amorphous silica, which is a form of fossilized plankton. It's not just any type of plankton, it's a special type of plankton called a, a radiolarian, which is reasonably rare. And uh, we know of probably only another four or five deposits of this nature in the world. Mm. This one is actually based in the, the northwest of. Uh, of Western Australia, it's about uh, four hours north east of Carnarvon, and it's in the middle of a huge uh, cattle station called Winning Ponds. So it's just a naturally occurring form of silica. It is. It's uh, it's a straight mineral. It, it's as raw as uh, as it comes out of the ground. There's, there's no processing. There's no additives. There's no uh, treatment, heat treatment, or anything like that. It's purely mined and screened to its various grades, of which we can produce about nine separate grades at the moment. Depending if there was a, a person that had an individual need, we could set the screen to a, a particular size and pretty much mine it to what the customer required. Mm. And by screen, you mean like a filter, like I guess you're like filtering it through, yeah, a screen, like a net. Yeah, ostensibly just like a sieve. And, uh, sieve. you know, for argument's sake, the, the lawn product, because a lot of the lawn products we uh, apply on the surface, we need it fine to... Uh, to uh, migrate down to the canopy, that's set between a screen of 0.8 to 2 millimetres, for example. The gardening product goes from 2 millimetres to 5 millimetres, so it's a, a coarser product. So we can pretty much set it to whatever the customer requires. Hmm. And so do you find, obviously, that the coarser product is breaking down slower? You know, you're not getting the results immediately as the finer one, but they last longer. Would that be the case? Well, the product actually, that's the beauty. That's the, the unique part, Daniel. The product actually doesn't break down. Oh. 
Well, when I say it doesn't break down, it hasn't between 108 and 125 million years, which is the age of this deposit. So it's uh, <laughs> it hasn't broken down in 125 million years, so I'm pretty sure it'll see you and I out. Okay, that's good to hear. So why would somebody use mineral magic in the soil? Is it just a fossil that it just looks pretty when it's on the top, or is it going to be adding some sort of benefits for our plants and our lawn? Its two major benefits would be its water retention and its mineral retention. It is, it is highly porous. I mean, it, it has a, if you look at it under the microscope, it's quite a, a complex cell structure. It looks like a bit of honeycomb is, or the, the death ship off Star Wars. There's tunnels <laughs> and, and, and little deposits all over the place. So that, that created all the surface area for, for the water to cling to. The, uh, the nutrient to holding capacity of it, the, the mineral is highly negatively charged. So all the uh, the positive ions, uh, you know, particularly your uh, your two pluses like your ions, your manganese, your magnesiums, your calciums, all those essential elements, uh, because they are charged two plus, and this mineral is negatively charged, it attracts them and holds them and secures them in the soil profile, which normally they would just be uh, washed away and leached away, particularly in our our soil over here. Mm. So they would be the two uh, the two main benefits. The other benefit that it does release a very small amount of plant-available silica, and uh, that has uh, significant results in the growth and the strength and the, the resistance uh, of, the, of all plants, be it turf, be it vegetables, be it natives, to, uh, to all of the pests and diseases and heat stress and drought stress, wear resistance, all those sorts of things. Right. So would silica be classified as one of those micronutrients that we hardly ever hear about? Well, absolutely. It's quite bizarre, Daniel, because, you know, you know 28% of the Earth's, Earth's crust is silicon. However, <laughs> most, of, most of it is totally unavailable and inaccessible to the plant. So this plant-available silica is quite a, uh, a big find. And, and, you know, a lot of the major turf universities in the U.S. are, are doing extensive trials on it at the moment. It actually works by the, uh, the strengthening of the cellular and intercellular cellular materials. And, you know, silicon is either taken up from the soil to the root system or to foliar means from some applied products. The silica is then carried to the, the plant, deposited as a gel in plant tissues where the cell strengthening occurs. Mm. And this, uh, this strengthening is what it gives the uh, resistance to both abiotic and biotic stresses. Mm. So it's actually making your plant healthier. It's not just providing soil structure benefits. So like something like biochar is going to give us a lot of those benefits in terms of water holding capacity and structural benefits. But that silica isn't going to be found in biochar, is it? No, no, not at all. This is, uh, this is quite the unique part. And as I say, it will slowly, slowly give off. And, and, and we're talking, um, you know, micrograms and, and milligrams and things like that. But that, uh, in essence, in the soil structure is, is akin to having a a truckload of the stuff. It only needs a minute amount to have a, a benefit. Totally. So I guess so. we've got soil benefits. We've got soil structural benefits, sorry. We've got nutritional benefits in the form of the nutrients that it's able to bind to it and stop those from leaching away. And we've also got silica, which is something that's very rare that plants have. What does mineral magic not fix? What does it not fix? Well, it's been pretty, uh, pretty inefficient at curing COVID at the moment, so we can put that on the top of the list perhaps. <laughs> but... I guess that's part of we've got some extensive trials and, and tests uh, uh, ongoing at the moment. We've um, I'm interested to see what it, it doesn't do in re regards to uh, to insect repel repellency. 
because we've got a fair bit of anecdotal evidence that there's a number of, of predatory pests like uh, sting nematode and black beetle, black beetle larvae and the like that really don't like this product at all. So when I say what it doesn't do, we're, we're trying to prove at the moment that it doesn't actually work as an, an insecticide, which mm. quite potentially we, we could be proved wrong, which would be amazing because this product is certified organic. And uh, if we had an organic product in the, in the, the soil that would repel um, the predatory pests, that would also uh, give it another major tick. So at this stage, we haven't proven that it does it, but we certainly have anecdotal evidence that it will repel insects. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because we've got another product on the market called Diatomaceous Earth, and that seems Indeed. to me to be a similar sort of a thing. So I guess that would be similar to, yeah, you, you spray Diatomaceous Earth on the leaves and yeah, yes. insects that want to crawl around and eat your leaves get shred apart because they're really sharp and that, you know, it's not going to hurt your fingers, but they're tiny enough to be able to hurt um, insects. And that's the reason why you can't breathe in Diatomaceous Earth too, because it'll shred your lungs apart. It's a, it's a great point. It is, it is a cousin, and diatomaceous earth comes from a plankton also, which is called a diatom. That's where it comes from. So it's a different type of plankton to what we use and has different properties, but it's certainly aligned. So that's a, a good point that you raise. And certainly it's, you know, I've used diatomaceous earth on, on things like ticks for my chickens and things like that. And the, mm. it actually is used for bed mites and the like. So all those, those products have certainly had a history of, of being at least insect repellent, but um, in our case, our product is also certified organic, so that's a, a great mm. combination. So a lot of organic gardeners out there are going to have their ears perking up now because we have had some amendments. Oh, we've had one amendment on that wasn't organic, but yeah, the other ones have all been certified organic. But yeah, organic gardeners want to be using organic products, so that's a big tick for a lot of people, I think. Indeed. You know, we were we were very, very proud to have three separate uh, certifications within our, first, within our first three months of trading. And the first one we achieved was the organic. The second accreditation we got with our WA Water Authority was the WaterWise uh, accreditation. And then above that, we've now received the national smart, uh, smart approved watermark uh, accreditation. So I guess uh, we had uh, there's a fairly lengthy process and uh, certainly a proof of, of, of product to, to get that certification. So it... Uh, it just shows that some of the uh, the specification of this product we haven't just made up or read off the back of a weedish packet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not snake oil. Indeed. So, Nick, going back to the problems that it doesn't fix again, so though the porous nature of it is going to help with waterlogging, I imagine, but it's probably not going to help with uh, sodicity, which is like salty, salty soil, which can be a real problem. I imagine it wouldn't help much with that, with the sodicity. Well, it's interesting. I raise that. We have a consulting soil scientist who can confuse me in a couple of minutes flat. But um, yeah. it actually, with the indirectly with the the release of the silicon, that actually helps the plant with the effects of what the salt has caused. So it actually mm. is still beneficial. It doesn't remove salt from the soil or anything like that, but mm. it actually helps helps the plant with its 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 cell structure to be strong enough to resist some of the negative effects of salt. So. Indirectly, it does have a it does have a positive effect. The interesting one that you mentioned is waterlogging, because there are products that are used on the market to uh, particularly amend uh, sandy soils to, to to hold water. Hmm. Our product works equally as well in clay as it does in hmm. sand, but for com completely different reasons. In a clay soil, which is predominantly fines, it actually creates a pore space. 
So it actually air aerifies the soil by creating a, a pore space. And remember, that particle doesn't compress, it doesn't collapse, so it actually creates a nice little air pocket in the soil which you know, feed the roots and that light to grow into in, in relatively compact clay soil. So pretty much our product works right across Australia, which was uh, also a great find at the start of our journey. It's a great thing when you can hit those double benefits as well and you can be selling to people who are in sandy soils and in clay soils and, and it can help those products equally. So that's pretty awesome. Indeed. So I guess how does Mineral Magic differ from other market, uh, other products on the market such as like rock dust and compost and kale and clay? Is it just that it has that silica or are there other things in there as well? Like for example, when would you use... Uh, mineral magic as opposed to rock minerals? Uh, I guess we've covered uh, some of the benefits. It, it's obviously the nutritional value, uh, uh, the negatively charged uh, component of it is is quite significant. The other thing with its negative charge, it stays negatively charged right down to a pH of 2.7. Now, wow. a lot of these a lot of these soil amendments vary quite markedly in different pHs. In fact, some of them can even turn from a negative to a positive. Of course, that has a, a dramatic effect on, on, on what it's doing in the soil. So mm. I would suggest if you had a pH of 2.7, you're probably worried about more things than water repellency <laughs> at, that, at that stage because you're, you're probably <laughs> on the eastern side of Mars with a pH of 2.7, I'd imagine. So certainly we, we, uh, we spoke about the clays. It's very different to the clays because that uh, – it creates a pore space rather than actually filling in some of the pore space. And the other thing is it's uh, water retention, uh, and this is something I've learned a lot about recently, Daniel. Water retention is one thing. A lot of things can retain water, but the important part is what's known as mm. PAW, which is plant available water. Yes. And historic, I mean, obviously clay absorbs a lot more water than what sand does, but all the tests and trials to our soil scientists they actually released about the same. They both released about 12% of what they absorb. Mm. So um, that, that clay is very greedy and very good at absorbing water. It doesn't play nicely with others and doesn't like to mm. give it back. So that's another huge benefit of our product. It, it absorbs the water, but then it gives it back to the plant, which is, of course, what we're trying to achieve. Exactly. No good. If you've got a big bucket of water and you're thirsty – and the bucket's all locked up. It has a big cap over the top, and you can't access it. What value is it to you? It's of no value whatsoever. I might even uh, I might even steal that analogy, Daniel. Do you if like I might. that? <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. that just that. It's yours, yeah. mate. <laughs> Indeed. Well done. Well done. Yeah. What is it? Water, water everywhere. Not a drop to drink. <laughs> or perhaps, uh, yeah, as, as useful as a pub during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So where can we use Mineral Magic? Is it just for lawns? Can we use it in, you know, indoor plants? Is it safe to eat on veggies? All of the above. It, it's, um, it's safe to eat on anything. It's, in fact, it's beneficial. We've had a, a Julie Meeker, a leading nutritionist over here, has spoke about the benefit of growing vegetables in a strong silicon base because it's, it's translocated through the plant to the fruit, to the fruit it becomes to the human, and, and it's just as valuable for cell a development in humans as it does in plants. So certainly anywhere where you've got a soil profile, mineral magic can be used. It is totally non-toxic to all natives, which is also reasonably unique because a lot of these, there's some very, very, very good products on the market now that are manufactured, but natives don't like those products. So 
totally effective. You, you can't uh, you can't over overuse it as such because uh, in our hydroponic uh, method of using it, we grow it in a hundred percent mineral magic. So, mm. and uh, when you grow in a hundred percent mineral magic, it's like uh, your plants are totally on steroids. Uh, you've never seen <laughs> such fruit such such fruit production in your life. I mean, for the quality of the fruit, the the rapidness of the growth. Again, the silicon also makes the 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 vegetative matter very turgid as well. It's so in grass, your your leaf blade is very upright and erect, which is obviously good for yeah, the, the, the sport that you've been playing on and, and you know, the, the ball roll in golf and all those sorts of things. So there's all these little benefits that uh, that spin off all over the place. But certainly some of the things you mentioned, uh, I mean, it's absolute great use is things like hanging baskets. Mm. Places, places, soil conditions that are going to dry out quickly. And obviously a hanging basket is probably mm. you know, one of the worst examples of that's going to dry out very, very quickly. So it's a massive benefit to have mineral magic in a hanging basket. Fantastic. What do you like to put with Mineral Magic? Do you just put that in there by itself? Do you add a bit of compost or, yeah, how do you use Mineral Magic? Well, that's another beauty because, um, you know, obviously following a lot of different companies around to various clients, the, the first thing people say is, oh, so so I'll have to stop using my current fertilizer or my current wedding agent and use your product. I say, no, exactly the opposite. If you've right. if you've got a, a program and a nutrition program and a watering program that works for you, our product is only going to enhance those products and make them last longer and stay in the soil a lot longer. So it doesn't replace a nutrient program. It just enhances one. Fantastic. So, yeah, I guess it makes a lot of sense what you're saying because a lot of nutrients are water-soluble. And if we're holding the water, those nutrients are going to be available to plants. If the, if the water's escaping or if the water's bound up in clay, it's not accessible. Indeed. And we're, we're currently doing some trials that are, uh, a large production seedling factory over here that produces about 70 million seedlings a year. And uh, they've managed, they, they do all their um, uh, fertilizing through a fertigation system through their irrigation. And they've measured that of what they put on, they retain about 30% of the nutrient in their soil medium. And therefore, you know, through the, mm. the, the, the atmosphere or, or leaching out, they're losing 70%. On the trials using uh, uh, mineral magic, We've almost reversed those numbers to 70-30. So if you're keeping 70-30, again, you've got more nutrient there. You don't have to put it on as often. So there's the cost savings, the benefit. It, it, it's quite significant. Not to mention uh, leaching out into waterways and stuff like that because that can be a huge problem. Well, that's uh, we didn't touch on that along the way. That's something that certainly uh, any uh, local municipalities that have uh, like bird, uh, bird, bird water sanctuaries and the like and they are fertilising, this is a almost like a catchment band around there is certainly going to stop a lot of nutrient from going into that, that waterway. Fantastic, Nick. So, Nick, how do we add it to the soil? Do we just chuck it on top? Does it depend whether we're putting in a new installation or if we're just amending something? Or how do you put it in? Well, you, you've almost answered it all in one. The, uh, <laughs> okay. let's, let's, let's look at a, a turf example just to start with. Say if you are going to a, you know, a brand new housing estate and you're getting a landscape package, you're instant to look, roll on out the front. The best uh, way is to actually uh, do it prior to laying your turf. So you would incorporate uh, 500 grams per square metre. That is the uh, the permanent rate. You don't have to apply any more after you've done that. That's like the field capacity, as we call it. So you would blend um, that amount into the top 100 millimetre profile of your, your soil and then lay your turf on top. So that's, that's position A. That's the best way always. 
second uh, best way is through any form of, of renovation, be it your verti cutting, be it your coring, even uh, it's quite a, a common practice now for people in spring to, to scalp their lawn right back to nothing and for, for regeneration. Any way you can incorporate the product better into the soil profile is, it is going to be more effective. Right. So natural processes take a lot of time to get that down beneath the soil surface. Indeed, but then you've got the third way, and, and, and you've also touched on that, and it's the very way I've utilised on my home, uh, my home lawn. When I say my home lawn, I've got three and a half thousand square metres of, of fine turf as home lawn, so I'm not, I'm not the average average Joe in the street with fifty square metres. But so I've just I've just put it out to a spinner spreader over the top of my at the surface of my soil or my, my turf. I left my my catches off, if you like, for a couple of weeks just to let let the product work its way down, and it's been extremely effective. I'm on five acres. I've got very, very limited water supply, so I, I have to be water-wise. I, I don't have a choice in the matter. Otherwise, we don't drink, we don't shower, and uh, mm. so the lawn sometimes has to miss out. So this has been a perfect testing ground for me, obviously, for Mineral Magic. And have you found that the lawn has become healthier or no change, or what's going on there? Oh, massive changes. I've uh, I've posted uh, on various platforms uh, an eighteen day turnaround between a eighteen uh, day turnaround between a, a terribly heat heat and drought stress lawn to to one looking that uh, yeah you'd be proud to show pictures of. But uh, yeah, it was very very significant. Wow, that's excellent. Mm. Nick, I'd like to change up a little bit now and I'd like to speak about the mining process. We touched on it earlier briefly and you said that nothing's done to it. You basically just bag it up and crush it. Like what, what are the ecological and environmental effects of mining this silica? Well, we have a, our, our mining company has a, an 18 hectare lease peg. 18 hectares, and of course, in a mining situation is a, is a, it's a reasonably small area, as you can imagine. But uh, that equates to about a 300-year supply of, uh, of mineral magic. So we're not digging up uh, half the universe to get this product. Secondly, it's over the years, though the, uh, the product is obviously the result of an ancient uh, seabed, an ancient ocean floor, it's actually raised up into the side of a cliff face. So, and it, it's a very, very clear fault line. So somewhere along the line, there's been some massive plate action in the in the, the Earth's surface, and this whole ocean floor has shifted up into the air. So pretty much we, we take about a metre of overburden off, which is nothing, and the, the product is just sitting there on the side of the hill. You, you couldn't pick a, an easier situation to mine from. So you're saying it, it's kind of like having the ocean there and you get a cup and you take it out. Yes, that ocean water is not necessarily renewable, but the, the amounts that you're talking about aren't significant enough to worry about. No, and plus now that that area is you know three or four hundred kilometres inland, mm. so uh, it, it, it was it uh, was ocean floor between one hundred and eight and one hundred and twenty five million years ago, mm. and now it's in people's lawns. <laughs> indeed, indeed. The other important thing, because of uh, how that simplicity of the mining, its carbon footprint, it, it we we uh, produce eighty eight kilograms of CO two per ton of production. Now, to put that into perspective, something like perlite or vermiculite are over a ton. Right. Over a ton, so it's almost like equal, a ton of CO2 to produce a ton of product. We're back at 88 kilos, so it's, uh, and majority of that is, is transport, so uh, just bringing it down from the mine. So 
you know, it's mined above the water table. It's so very, very safe, very clean. Again, no additives. It's, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it truly is magic. It's mineral magic, as they say. And that's an interesting point you brought up there about perlite and vermiculite too, because they're in a similar position of, yeah, there's heaps of it, but it's not really renewable, but we still use it and no one really worries about it, which is different to something like sphagnum moss, where there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of controversy around that one. People on both sides of the fence have interesting points to make. And I guess if you, if you look at it in real terms too, the product is still not necessarily being used. It's just being taken from one place to another because it's still, it doesn't break down. So it's still very much in our ecosystem. And perhaps one could say in a more useful place in the ecosystem where it originally came from. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. So it, it is changing the soil in a permanent way to make it more, yeah, water retentive, which, yeah, it's, it's probably not a bad thing coming into the climate changing and stuff like that. Uh, to be honest. Indeed. So, Nick, we've talked about processing, we've talked about ecological and environmental impacts, and you also mentioned quickly about some of the testing that you've gone through. Nick, I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about the testing that this this that this product has been through. Um, as I say, the, the three main ones to start with were all re- revolving around certification. So, as you uh, you alluded to, the, there's a massive call for, for organic products for in horticulture, and so that was the first one we actually uh, we got ticked off the list. Again, it's an assessment pro, uh, process, and you have to meet all the, the various criteria. Same with the, the WaterWise from WaterCorp, and uh, proud to say that WaterCorp have have treated every lawn and every garden bed in their head office in in Perth. So they're 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 practicing what they preach. So that's a, a great uh, a great feather in their cap, and. Interesting enough that this smart proof watermark I, I previously hadn't heard of, but that is a higher level. And I've since found out that if you achieve that, you automatically get your state's water-wise accreditation anyway. Right. Specific, specifically, though, people in horticulture are always are keen to have a lot more than that. So we, we've engaged at the moment in some very specific trials. The majority of them at this stage are in turf. Hmm. We have teams on both sides of the country doing various tests to uh, to look at rates, to look at measuring root growth, production, things on turf farms like regeneration time and things like that. Uh, obviously, we talked about the seedling factory and they're measuring uh, nutrient retained, the fer- uh, fertilizer and irrigation intervals. So at the moment, we've got three separate bodies across Australia in different spheres doing that. And we're about to embark in August to a national um, horticultural company some serious vegetable trials as well mm. uh, in broad acre production of carrots onions even even avocados so a number of different tests coming and and probably the most exciting ones that we haven't instigated yet that i'm interested to see is some some trials with wheat because i've done ah. my own trials at, i've done my own trials at home with wheat with treated versus non-treated soil and the results were astronomical really mm. Very exciting stuff, because this is a new product. This isn't. This hasn't been on the Australian market for very long at all, has it? It hasn't. We uh, we basically established a company in December, but uh, our little catch cry, our motto on the, on the bottom of our marketing material is uh, over 125 million years in the making. So it took us <laughs> it took it took us a little while to get the product to the market. You could say. <laughs> you could say that. So, what are Mineral Magic's mission and values as a company? I guess a lot of that I can almost read directly off our website because we publish those because we're very strong about those. And 
we, we want to always be seen as, as the innovators. Um, something that's sustainable, environmentally beneficial solutions to the horticulture industry. That's that's as simple as our mission is. Mm. Our values, we like to obviously be fair and honest and transparent in our dealings. We collectively, the owners of, of Mineral Magic, have over 100 years in the horticultural industry. So wow. we, we live in it. We are in it. Uh, everybody knows as such. Uh, we have to be credible. You know, our, our name and our brand has been around for years individually, so we have to protect that. So our products are based on the best pre- uh, best practice techniques, innovation, quality information, and backed by scientific research. We can we can substantiate what we do. Uh, the safety and health of our clients and staff will, will never be compromised. That's always a, a plus. And sometimes when you mention silica, you can have that little uh, ooh, ooh and ah moment. People say, "Isn't silica bad for you?" But that's silica uh, that's bad for you is is the crystalline form, and certainly that, that has to be handled with the absolute utmost of care. But our product is not the crystalline form of silica and and therefore all those negative situations don't apply to our product. And that's been tested and there's safety data sheets to support that and all the rest of it. And just a simple thing, we we strive to maintain a workplace culture based on mutual respect, achieving positive outcome for our clients and the environment. So that pretty much uh, wraps it up, Daniel. Basically, common sense, just be a good person and build something that's worth building. Absolutely. And, uh, and put your name, put your name behind uh, everything that you do. Absolutely, Nick. That's beautiful, mate. Look, I've got two fun questions. They don't have to be on topic. And yeah, you can really take them anywhere you want. They're totally open. The first one is, what is something that most gardeners don't know? I guess I, the one I, was the big light bulb moment for me I, I covered earlier in our chat was the fact that people, the, the understanding between the, the water absorption between clay and sand. Mm. and understand that it's not about absorption. I mean, p- people put catch cups on their lawn, for example, to measure how many millimetres of water their lawn is getting. All the catch cups do is measure how efficient or uniform your articulation is. The, the correlation of how much water that you actually put on a, on a soil or garden is absolutely immaterial. It, it's, it's how much is the plant is actually getting. Mm-hmm. So understand that anything that you put in the soil should be enhancing the amount of water and nutrient the plant ultimately ends up with. If it sits there in the soil, it's totally useless to you. So after 39 years in the horticultural industry, I I assumed that that clay was far better at retaining water and handing it over to the plant, but that's quite clearly not the case. Yeah, and clay is a low-resolution term too. There are I, I can't remember how many different classifications of clay there are, but yeah, it just refers to the particle size, not the conductivity. Uh, all that sort of stuff. So it's, I just wanted to touch on again what you're talking about, the negative charge there. So negative charge holds things in, whereas a positive charge repels things away. So if you've got a positive charge in a soil particle, it's sticking to it, or in the silica, sticking to it. So plants can, if it's not too strong, the plants can suck it back out. Most, yeah, mostly correct there, of course. They, if, it's negative, if it's negatively charged, the, the, the things that it's attracting have to be positively charged. There's still right. some nutrient in, in the soil that's negatively charged, of course. So Good you've got to, it's, it's all about cation exchange in this particular case, yes. Yeah, cation exchange, that's a fun one. You're going to give me a headache again, remind me of um, TAFE. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had to revert back to a lot of textbooks, Daniel, let me tell you. So the, 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 the cation exchange uh, uh, measurement of this particular product is around the 35, which is very, very high. I just know that a lot of the time gardeners are just NPK, put NPK on, that's it. 
Uh, but there's a lot more to soil nutrients than nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Absolutely. So last question, Nick. Is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Probably the uh, future development of this product. At the moment, we're selling it purely in its raw state. However, we've played around as, as you do and uh, discovered that this product obviously was being so absorbent and so easy to release products back to the soil means it's the perfect carrier. Mm-hmm. So there's some very, uh, very popular you know, liquids on the market that I think most people use when they transplant their uh, their plants and their vegetable feeds Such and that best. sort of stuff. Yeah, everybody knows knows the, the household <laughs> name. Yeah. So you can you can mix that product with Mineral Magic. It'll soak it all up, become complete, absorb it all. You can put it in your hanging baskets, and it becomes a slow release form of that product. Fantastic. So we've done some trials with things like some fulvic acids and some humic acids, some some great carbonizers of uh, additives for the soil. They work absolutely sensational. The um, the analysis of the product, of the Mineral Magic product with that, uh, things like your kelps and your fulvics and humics added, they've absorbed the full amount of that nutrient uh, potential and then slowly release it back. So, yeah, if though, as we've ascertained at the, like at the, uh, the seedling nursery, that only 30% of, of what we put on the soil is actually being used, if we and we're wasting that other seventy percent, and in some cases putting it into harmful places where we don't want it to go, mm-hmm. yeah, some some massive benefits. So I guess look for look for the variations of mineral magic and what form it comes in. It we could uh, you know, mix it with a, a soil borne fungicide, for example, mm-hmm. to have a slow release for, form of, of fungus control in the soil. All those sort of things that uh, keep the the active ingredient in the action zone where we want it to, not disappearing off into the atmosphere or soaking down into our aquifers. Absolutely, and it's so easy to get caught on looking at the price tag and be like, "Oh, that's too expensive." But when you take into account the money savings you're going to get in water, nutrients, blah, 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 blah. And this product's going to be around for a really long time. So it's actually an investment. That's a great point. And I guess probably the uh, the easiest job in Western Australia, you'd, you'd suggest, is selling wedding agent because our, <laughs> our, so, our, our soil is so hydrophobic. We have the uh, – but, I mean, we don't market, of course, as a wedding agent. We're purely a, a water retention agent. But mm. the average wedding agent even uh, – promised by the most enthusiastic salesperson will say you have an efficacy of around six weeks. So if you're converting, conditioning or converting your soil for about six weeks compared to what our product is doing is converting it for, for a lifetime, the cost is, is very, very easy to justify. Absolutely. Nick, thanks for coming on the show, mate. What an incredible episode. Much appreciated. It's been my absolute pleasure, Daniel, and, and keep the good work going, eh? Cheers, mate. You too, buddy. Bye-bye now. If you're in Australia, make sure to join our mailing list to enter the giveaway to win either a 10 kilo bag of Mineral Magic for lawns or a 10 kilo bag of Mineral Magic for garden beds before we announce a winner after 12pm Sunday the 18th. It's good stuff to help improve drainage and water retention in any soil or potting medium and it's a superb source of plant available silica as well. So make sure to get your hands on some and try it even if you don't end up winning our giveaway this week.